My name is Arnie, and I'm, I'm, I attend primarily our, our Wiggins campus. I'm so glad to have an opportunity to visit each of our campuses, at least on a regular basis, to have an opportunity to share the Word of God. I'm so thankful for Pastor Jordan and, and Nadine and all of our campus pastors. Uh, again, th- those guys just pour into me. I love, I love when we have preach prep. I just sit, and as, as much as I give, I'm getting just that much more. It's a privilege and an honor to be able to sit down with other men, to be able to study and, and go through the Word of God. Thank you guys so much. For those that are online, we want to welcome you today uh, with us. And if you have not uh, been tuned in over the last couple of weeks, we're going to continue our series talking about the kingdom of God. And more specifically, we're going to be continuing to talk about kingdom stewardship. Kingdom stewardship. The first verse, that we, uh, the first um, uh, slide that we want to show is going to talk about what we've shown at the beginning of each of the other services, is that the kingdom of God is the realm where God reigns supreme and Jesus is the king. That is awesome. Jesus is the king and the Lord reigns supreme in his kingdom. Last week, we talked about the role of the church in terms of it being a good, a good steward of the kingdom of God. We took that study or we took that communication a step further and we talked about that we are the church. We learned that last week. We are the citizens of the kingdom of God. And with that comes a great responsibility. We learned that when we gave our life to Christ, our identity changed. And when that change came upon us, we began to learn and then to begin to be taught that we must begin to manage and invest the resources and the things of the kingdom better than we ever have before. And if you know anything about what's going on in our world today, we need to be managing and stewarding the kingdom of God, kingdom of God like we never have before. As citizens, we learned last week that we are living under the glory of God. And everything that we do as citizens in the kingdom is to bring glory unto God. We learned that as citizens on last week, we must continue to preach the gospel. We learned as part of the Great Commission also that we must make disciples in every nation. That is a hefty, hefty stewardship opportunity for every believer that is in this room today. Today, we're going to explore kingdom stewardship but we're going to be looking more at our time and at our influence. Our time and our influence. When I was a kid, my mother used to sing a song all the time at church, and she used to sing a song that that stated that everything is going down but the Word of God. Everything is going down but the word of God. I asked my wife this morning, because she remember that song? And she was from a good Baptist church. I was, grew up Church of God in Christ. And uh, she said, no, I don't think I've ever heard that one. Has anybody ever heard that song? Not a soul in the room. We got to get some old Church of God in Christ up in here, Pastor George. We need a few more. We got one? No, I cannot sing it. There has been enough worship in that arena today. I came to talk, okay? <laughs> Everything is going on but the Word of God. If you were to open your phone right now and click on the Internet, I'm telling you, it will be 10 clicks before you find anything in there as it relates to the Word of God. 
We are so now living in such a fast-paced society as it relates to our time. You know, there are times now that we don't, we don't even type out full sentences anymore. Is anybody in here like that? When we send messages, we don't even spell words anymore. That's how fast-paced things that we got an issue with time. And I'm hoping today when we leave, we'll have a better grasp of that. So I'm just going to find out where I am on, on, on this spectrum of this, uh, these words that we don't spell out anymore. I'll give you one that I do know. WWJD. Is everybody, everybody know that one? What, what, who knows? What, what is that one? What would Jesus do? The rest of these I had to Google to find out. I-M-H-O. Who knows what that means? In my humble opinion. That is awesome. Did anybody else know that? Everybody knows, probably but me and you, Casey. I, everybody. Okay, I got another one. BTW. I, I had to Google all of it. By the way, I Googled that. I'm telling you, just yesterday. IG. What is IG? I guess. Man, I'm so far behind the curve. This is W-Y-D. What is that one? What, so what we have just learned. Y'all are the ones responsible <laughs> for this fast-paced society that we're living in today. I'm just hanging on by a thread like, Lord, what are they talking about? Literally, people send me messages and I have to call them and say, I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> I don't know. Will you please speak to me in full sentence? It's another, some other points I want to share with you as it relates to time. On a more serious note, on average, we spend two hours and 24 minutes on social media every day. Teens, age 13 to 18, nine hours a day on some type of entertainment media. And you can put all of them in there. Weenies, I mean tweenies, tweens, tweens, whatever they call them, eight to 12. What's a tweener? I found that out over the weekend. What's a tweener? Eight to 12 age, eight, eight is eight to 12, six, hours a day. The amount of time on average spent once you go to YouTube is 29 minutes. And of course, Facebook's round out all of the outlets as the most dominant. How many of you can look at your neighbor and say, you know what, we got an issue with time in our society today. We have an issue with time. We can say a lot of things about time, and I will tell you, one of the things that we all have in common is that there never seems to be enough of it. There never seems to, I mean, I remember, anybody else remember the green and the white barred paper that used to come across on the fax machines? You had to line it up just right with those claps on the side. And if you didn't get them right, it was just going to print all cricket. And it, just, and it would come out just like that. Can you imagine today if you showed up at your office tomorrow and you had one of those dinosaurs there, you would probably lose your mind. Some of you would probably just quit. You're about OMG, you start texting out stuff. I think texting and not using the full sentence is like speaking in tongues. OMG, BTW, OMG. I'm like, what is that? I thought speaking in tongues, Pastor John, was a spiritual thing. I didn't know you can text that out. Man, that, that, is, that is something special. That's, that's new to me. I'm growing in my Christianity, by the way, so maybe I got to get caught up on that. Another saying about time that I looked up, some of you uh, will probably appreciate this one, says, time is a great healer, but a poor beautician. 
<laughs> I like that one. Great healer, but a poor beautician. Time is a great teacher, but unfortunately, it kills all its people. <laughs> Keep breathing. I really like this one. I really shouldn't like this one. No man goes before his time. Doesn't that sound like we're going to get deep? Unless the boss leaves early. <laughs> I figured you guys might like that one. This last one is going to tie a little bit closer to the message that we're going to be communicating today. It says, the bad news is that time flies. The good news is you are the pilot. You are the pilot. No matter how you look at time, and our next slide states it clearly, we all have the same amount of it each and every day. And it is critical that we steward that time wisely, especially as citizens of the kingdom of God. Why should I steward my time well? Better yet, why should you steward your time well? We often make statements like this, my time is my life. Has anybody ever made that statement before? My time is my life. I bet you if you haven't made that one, you've probably made this one. I've given my life to Christ. Anybody said that one before? I've given my life to Christ. The question that I have before you today, and I'm not talking about salvation, but I'm talking about the actual number of hours in the day. Have we truly given our life to Christ? Can I truly tell by how you spend your time on a day-to-day -day basis? Have you really given your life to Christ? If I followed you for a day, would I be able to say, man, that man, that woman, the way they handled that difficult situation, the way they responded to that person that cut them off, the way they responded to their boss, the way they responded to all the herd and the things, would I be able to follow you on a day-to-day -day basis and say, you know what, that person has truly given their life to Christ. When I was in high school, I can't remember the math class, but there were a lot of times we would have word problems. And the teachers taught us that if you, as you read these word problems, the words within the word problems taught you whether or not you was going to be adding or multiplying or dividing. And she taught us that the word is in a word problem always means equal. So as I look at a statement such as my time is my life, the theory would state that my time should equal my life. My time should equal my life, if that is the, if that is the case. They went on to teach us that if you have an, a, 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 a variable on this side and an equal in the middle and another variable here, that you can say it conversely and it's, you, still, you still should get the same results. So my life should also equal my time. Y'all follow me here. My time should equal my life and my life should equal my time. So let's test this theory of my time equaling my life. Let's test this theory or this statement that we say that I've given my life to Christ. We're going to take a look at a typical 24-hour day. And I think we're going to put a little diagram, and I'm seeing it right there. It's up there. Most of us follow a typical day such as we see on the screen. We sleep about eight hours a day. We wake up in the morning, we kind of prepare, we may pray, we may eat breakfast, we may say goodbye to the family, take a little hour, hour and a half, two to do that. 
And then we go off to work. Then we go off to school. We do our thing. We got our vocation going. And then we come home in the evenings. I wish I had four hours in the evening. Um, I'm going to have to get on Stephen. He made this slide up right here. I, I didn't do this right here. Anybody else got four hours in the evening? <laughs> I need to call him right now and rebuke him, Pastor Jordan. <laughs> four hours in the evening. And then, of course, we have an hour of leisure. I, I like this. I'm going to start hanging out with Pastor Stephen if this is his. <laughs> this is good stuff, man. I'm preaching now. Now, when we look at this typical day, we can't just look at it as citizens of the kingdom of God as just a typical day. Because we're not typical people. At least we're not supposed to be, right? So I'm going to look at this from a worldly mindset as well as from a kingdom mindset. The worldly mindsets look at this typical day. And they look at it from more of a utilitarian perspective. In essence, what I'm saying is that if we can't justify our investment into, e into each of these categories, then it isn't worth it. That's a worldly mindset. Sometimes we try to go about and compartmentalize our lives. Pastor Jordan said it, and I was like, man, he's preaching my message. He's, we just checked the box. And some of you, even here now, you've gotten up, you got up this morning, check. I've come to church, check. And how many are already thinking about lunch? Check. We compartmentalize our lives. And we'll give ourselves a great big pat on the back. And I'm glad to see that everybody came out. And I'm glad to see that you at home got out of the bed and got online. But we compartmentalize our lives. We look at our vocation and we say, man, this isn't my dream job. So we hate our jobs. We hate our jobs when we see our typical day from a worldly perspective. We go around in our workplaces and we look at our bosses like, man, if he gives me just one more thing to do. Has anybody ever said that? Under their breath, of course. Wouldn't say it to our boss. Man, if you give me one more thing to do. I did a little more Googling. There's an individual by the name of DMX. Anybody know who DMX is? Raise your hand high. Don't get nervous. I don't know who he is. I had to Google him. But he sings a song that goes like this. Don't help me, because I don't want to set nobody back. We just had the freedom yesterday. We don't want to go back. But he says something like this. You going to make me lose my mind. There it is. Pastor Jordan, we're going to have to preach. I don't know. We're going to have to. You going to make me go all out. <laughs> you going to make me, it's in the Bible, act a fool. Oh, my goodness. Y'all need a cleansing. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we going to take communion after this service? We're going to have communion. All y'all need to take communion because you're going to file out this door. We're going to beat it in the back. You going to let make me lose my cool. And that's the way we view our vocation. I was about to ask y'all to give DMX a hand clap, but we ain't going to do it. We in church. <laughs> we look at our relationships. And if our relationship's not perfect, when we have a worldly mindset, man, we're so quick to write people off. We make statements like, I can't stand these people. And then we get a little bit spiritual, and we say, Lord, 
Why did you put me here? That's about as spiritual as we get sometimes. And then even as we relate to God, coming to church on a more serious note, man, we just check the box. And we compartmentalize God in our lives, and we shouldn't do that. Not if our time is our life. Let's transition now and look at this from a kingdom mindset. The mindset of one that is a faithful steward of the kingdom of God. This mindset understands that everything is all connected. Investments doesn't always pay an immediate return. We understand that every opportunity innately has a return on the investment because it is for the glory of God and for the good of those individuals that we're interacting with. A kingdom mind says understand, understands that rather than compartmentalizing life, we superimpose our kingdom mindset over every moment and over everything that we do. So in saying, instead of singing DMX on your job or your vocation, when things get challenging and difficult, we can rely upon the word of the, God, of, of, the, word of, of the Lord and says, I do not work as unto, the, unto man, but I work as unto the Lord. That's a kingdom mindset. In our relationships, we engage people we know as if they are a gift from God and an opportunity, we've already said it, for me to be a light in a dark place. We don't compartmentalize when we go to church, whether it's Sunday or Monday or Wednesday. We're communing with God at all times as it relates to a kingdom mindset, as it relates to our time. I heard someone say this a couple of weeks ago. I stole it. Y'all know I listen to DMX now, so it's okay. He said this, don't count the time, make the time count. Don't count the time, make the time count. And that's how we have to do when we have a kingdom mindset and we're trying to steward our time well. It is critical that we have a kingdom mindset regarding our time because if we don't, we'll miss the most important thing as it relates to our time, which is to influence people. In essence, what we're saying is that when we steward our time properly, we make room to steward our influences in the lives of the people that are around us. Here's a few scriptures that deals with time to help make this a little bit clearer. Psalms 90 teaches us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The first words teach us. I'll tell you for most of us in this room, including myself, Managing my time well, thinking about how what I'm doing and how I'm interacting with an individual is having an impact for the glory of God, that does not come to me naturally. I need the Holy Spirit to teach us, and, and, and we should ask Him to teach us today. Ephesians 5 and 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. I love this scripture because it tells us to watch how we walk. That word walk means watch how you conduct yourselves, citizens of heaven, stewards of the kingdom of God. 
we know and we have heard from this very pulpit that the world is watching. They are watching. And we have to watch how we conduct ourselves at home, on the job, in the grocery store, students, in high school, in college. We have to watch how we conduct ourselves. Even when we're driving down the road, it is inappropriate to tell them that they're, number one, with a scowl on your face. That is not appropriate. We have to watch how we conduct ourselves. Not as wise, unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time that we have. We've already stated we are living in an evil time. We're living in an evil, evil time. And we have to make the best of our time by influencing those and leading them to Christ. Therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be foolish. As citizens of heaven, we cannot afford to be foolish. Time is precious. Psalm 39, 4 to 5 says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Your life is very important to God. I want to make one clarification. He says, my life is nothing before you. Your life is everything to God. He is the tool that he is using now in this earth to bring and to draw those unto him. He is using you for that. The point of this scripture is to let you know that we don't have a whole lot of time. As we read these scriptures, they should be very sobering to you. We only have so much time and we only have so many opportunities to influence those that are around us. We only have a little bit of time. So how do we steward our time and how do we steward our influence for the kingdom of God? We're going to learn a lot from this next scripture. We'll spend just a moment here. Luke 4 and 42 through 43. It goes about and says, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. We're talking about Jesus. We know about his earthly ministry. That three-year time frame, he was going around, he was healing people, raising people from the dead. He was casting demons out of people. He was doing all that the Father had told him to do. But the scripture says he went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. As we break this scripture down, I can tell you up front that it's going to be freeing for some of you. It's going to be freeing to some of you. And to some of you, it's going to bring conviction. But before we get into the actual scripture, I want to just kind of give you an overall one word that this whole context of this scripture means. And that word is abiding. Abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ is essential to, the, to stewarding our time for the kingdom of God. I'm amazed that when I read the gospel, all the things that Jesus did in, in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I never got the sense that he was rushed and running around with like, stressed and worried about, about the, the cares of the world. That lets me know that he was abiding in Christ. His alone time and his all time all belong to Christ. That's why he was able to conduct himself in a way to go about and do all the things that he was able to do. 
I was teaching a leadership class for Pastor Mike and Wiggins over the last semester. And one of the statements that I made to the leaders said, if the devil can't get you to do bad, he'll get you to be busy. If he can't get you to do bad, he's going to try to get you to be extraordinarily busy. Jesus did not compartmentalize his life. His life was his time, and it was his lifestyle. It was a lifestyle of him on a daily basis of unloading any burdens that he had. It was a lifestyle of him trusting in the truth and the promises and the word of God. It was a lifestyle in being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was serious about his work and knew that only by abiding in Christ would he get the heart of God. And that's what keeps us on track as well. That's what we need to learn to do, church. Abide in Christ. Not just right now. Not just on Wednesdays. Not just on first Wednesday. But through every phase of our life. When we abide in Christ, that's when we learn what our true identity is. When we abide in Christ, that's when we learn and know that under no circumstances will he ever take his love away from us. That's when we know that when we screw up real, real bad, that he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When we live a lifestyle of abiding in Christ, we know that he is ultimately our provider and he will guide us and lead us. The other side of that equation is that when we abide in Christ, we will now not see other people as inconveniences. And so many times, that's where the church fails. We get so caught up in our tasks, so caught up in our vocations, so caught up in all of our doings, all of our busy, and we began to not see people the way Christ saw them. The question is, are you abiding in Christ and finding rest in Jesus? We must and we have to get a better understanding of this concept of abiding. Because when we abide, we get the understanding. We get the true heart of God. When we abide, we understand how our mission specifically ties into God's mission. Going back to scripture, he rested. He abided with God. He went to a separate place by himself. And he got and always have had the heart of God. By investing in people, I am investing in eternity. I must invest in people. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what his purpose was. That's what our purpose is as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And we do this as we abide and invest in people. We will then influence them toward the gospel just as Jesus did. Ultimately, stewarding time is stewarding every opportunity to influence someone for the kingdom of God. People are to be seen as a ministry opportunity, not as an inconvenience. This is the freeing part of this scripture because I know in a lot of hearts and minds out there, we want to be everything to all people. And I think we learn from this scripture, it is impossible. It is impossible to do that. It is impossible. The scripture said, and the people sought him, talking about Jesus, and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. 
for I was sent for this purpose. There's always going to be ministry opportunities. They're going to be everywhere. The question is, and the thing that we must know is, is every opportunity for you? Is every opportunity for you? So let's look at what stewardship is from that perspective. Stewardship is saying no to the wrong things, saying no to the wrong things so that you can say yes to the right things. Abiding in Christ, this is how we get there, helps us to discern which needs we need to meet. They were trying to refrain Jesus from leaving. And he says, I got to go. There were still needs there. That blew my mind when we were blowing it up in priest prep. I mean, I thought Jesus healed everybody. He, he, he did. All that he was assigned to. And But this is what I was thinking. But he left those needs. What was supposed to, how were those needs going to be get, get met? You know those people that he healed? You know those people that, that he gave freedom to? This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that he was saying, I've just done it for you. Now do it for the rest of these. I'm going to go over here and preach the gospel over here. So now it gets back to us as citizens of heaven. Those that have been set free. Even those that were in this freedom conference yesterday. Guess what our responsibility is? To go set somebody else free. Because that's what Jesus is doing here. Stewardship is saying no to the wrong thing so that you can say yes to the right thing. To determine my mission, I must discern his mission. And the way that I can only do that is by abiding in him. If, if you value the mission, then you will steward your time well, which allows you to more effectively exercise your influence for the kingdom of God. That's what our purpose is as citizens of the kingdom of God. That's what our purpose is. Yesterday at our freedom conference, Scott, and y'all know Scott, he plays, he's, plays bass and he's in Long Beach this morning. Yesterday he taught on purpose. And he talked about how sometimes that we can get our purpose and our function confused and mixed up. He communicated that our functions may change over time. Right now, you may be a parent, and sometime forward, your function will change from parent to grandparent. Sometimes, you may have this type of job on one day and get a promotion on that same, with that same company, and your function change. But the purpose, as Scott so eloquently communicated on yesterday, is nothing more than this. In all of our doing, to bring glory unto God. When we stand before Jesus and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And if he were to take just a sneak peek and look behind you and if he were to ask you the question, who did you bring with you? Who did you influence in all of those days that I gave you 24 hours in? Who did you bring with you? That's a question that I struggle with, and I hope that it's starting to move on the inside of you as well. Who did we bring 
with us. For the believer, this all begins today by you beginning to more so than ever before because the time is winding up. For you, believer, it begins today by abiding more in Christ. Setting our eyes on things that are eternal. Now, I'm not speaking against any of the blessings that God has given us. In fact, he has blessed us with many things. But I'm reminded of a scripture that says, don't allow your liberties cause you to sin. Don't allow your freedoms in Christ cause you to miss your purpose in Christ. Said another way, let's keep the main thing, the main thing, all the time and every day. Now, I know that some of you in this room can't abide with Christ today. There are many of you sitting at home today. You've heard this message about abiding, and you're like, what, how, can I, how can I get in on this abiding? I, I, I need direction and guidance for my life. For you, this can also begin today. And it begins by you asking Jesus to come into your life. This world is a tough place. I had a coach that used to say it will chew you up and spit you out. The pace of this world is wearing you out without Christ. You have no peace. You have no joy. Your relationships are turned upside down. That rejection that happened 20 years ago comes back from time to time and just beat you over the head and you don't know how to deal with it. It's painful. It makes you angry. You're shameful of your past. Guilt eats you up. There's troubles everywhere. And today you're probably looking for a safe place. Today you may be looking for a solution. I have a solution. I have a solution to not just the things that I called out, but everything that you may be faced or going through with. And that solution is Jesus. It's Jesus. We don't have to complicate it. We don't have to try to make it something that it's not. The solution is Jesus. You might not know this, but more than, than half of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read those four Gospels, more than half of those Gospels talk about the last week of Jesus' life on this earth. You know why I think that's so important? You know what I think the message he was trying to get to us? He was trying to send us a message that, 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 that I love you more than you can ever imagine. He was trying to send us the message, and he's sending it to us even today. That while you were yet sinners, I died a brutal death on a cross for you. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, he wants you to know that today. He wants you to know that after three days, he was, after being in that grave for three days, that he, he, he rose. And why did he rise? Oh, it wasn't just enough to die. 
Oh, that, it, wasn't just enough, it wasn't okay to just die, but he rose. Why? Why? So that you can now have a right relationship with him. And if you don't have a relationship with him, I like to make the most of my time and influence today that I have had with you by extending a personal invitation from God to you. It's a personal invitation. Many of in this room have already accepted it. So when we talk about abiding, they understand what I'm talking about. I want you to be able to abide as well. Jesus wants you to be able to abide. Let's get alone with God as we pray. Father, we're so thankful for the truth of your word that has come forth today. We have sang in so many of our songs today that you reign. And there's no name higher than your name. Father, we learn today that our best position in this world is to abide with you. But Father, there are some that don't have a relationship with you. And God, as you have commanded us as citizens, Father, we're going to extend your invitation. If you don't have a relationship with God today, I'm going to lead you in a very brief and simple prayer that you may begin this journey and this relationship with Jesus. Repeat after me. Say something like this. Dear Lord, please forgive me of my sins. For I am a sinner. But according to your word, if I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, I believe that after three days that he rose. So, Father, now, upon your word, I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Father, help me to love you and help me to trust in you. I believe now and trust by faith according to your word, I am saved. Amen. Let's give it up for all of those that gave their life to Jesus today. If you're in the auditorium, there's a little blue and white card in the seat pocket in front of you. We strongly encourage you that if you have decided today to follow Jesus, please take a moment to fill that card out. We, we just want to follow up with you. We want to make sure that you get off to a great start in this journey and in this relationship. And we just want to make sure that you have a safe landing spot and somebody to walk alongside of you. On the back of that card, if you have a prayer need, you also can write that in and turn it in at the next step area as you exit the auditorium. As always, we're going to have our prayer team to come up front. And uh, if there's anyone that's needing prayer, please come up. We learned yesterday it is best to share that burden. And even if it's sin, 
share it so that that healing process can begin. Scripture says that he'll be faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness and to forgive you of your sin.